If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. From grandmothers who whispered in their baby girl ear to fathers on dimly lit street corners instructing young soldiers to always keep their eyes open. You be queen. You were fire. You were passed through centuries on the hands of your daughters. They called you wisdom. Proverbs. On the backs of diamond-eyed school children who grew into hymnals recited by amethyst-holding urban philosophers who recited neighborhood commandments out of the windows of restored El Camino chariots to keep the warmth in their blood. Be wise. Be smart. Be black opal, brown quartz, bloodstone, and prayer. Be every form of gem. See, king told scribe, scribe told son, son told wife, wife told her daughter, and daughter told the ancestors, and the ancestors told me that you would come to give wisdom to thousands. They said you would come, dropping gem, dropping gem. All right, welcome to another episode of the Dropping Gems podcast. I'm your host, Debbie Brown. This episode is going to be a little bit different. We are (laughs) recording it out of the country, the first field trip for the Dropping Gems podcast. Currently, we are in Los Cabos, Mexico, which is one of my favorite places on earth. And today's guest is someone I would absolutely consider 100% to be family. And not just in the way that you say that about people that you're close with or that you really like in an industry way. No, this is an extension of my family. And we are currently embedded in so many hot topics and discussions and conversations about life that I decided while on vacation to pull out my mics 
and just make this an episode. So this person is on your TV screens regularly, is in your car for your morning commute every morning with the number one rated radio show. They're also a writer, an entrepreneur, a producer, just absolutely everything. And the list just continues to go on and on. So without further ado, the special guest today is Charlemagne Lenard, the God. What's happening, Debbie Dev? <laughs> What's going on? You're one of the only people that still calls me that. What, Debbie Deb? Yeah. That's because your name is actually Devon, so it's Debbie. But don't you know Devin, that I Devon. transitioned Debbie Brown? Yeah, yeah, but that's your government name. You're still, a, you're still <laughs> Debbie. Your name is Debbie, like Debbie Dev. So me and Charlotte have known each other for... 2007, maybe? Yeah. So at least like 12, 13 years, yeah. 13 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we originally met uh, at that time. You were working on the Whitney Williams show. Yes, I was. And best and worst time of my life. <laughs> and I was working at a radio station in L.A. called K-Day. K-Day. I was on the come up. You know, I was at that time I had just kind of like got my first paid gig at that station and I was doing like a lot of voice work. I was doing the weather and traffic. And one of the other things that I was doing to earn my stripes was being in quote unquote associate producer on our syndicated show, Mm -hmm. which was the Wendy Williams show, which is the show that you were on. Yep. And that was that was the first place you went from South Carolina, right? You went straight to New York with Wendy. Yeah, from South Carolina. I, was, I did. Uh, I worked at four radio stations in South Carolina. I worked at D93, Hot 98.9, The Big DM, and then Hot 103.9 in Columbia. And from Hot 103.9, on to the Wendy Williams experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, so you guys, occasionally, Wendy would come up just to like meet fans. She would come out to LA. Like she was trying to build herself in that market. Yes. Now, the show did not do well um, because it's really hard for New York to do well um, in LA in syndication. That is a fact. I don't care who you are. And at that time, she didn't have her TV show. So people weren't familiar with her. Nope. They were like, what is going on? Um, but you really like work to establish yourself and to meet people. I mean, you're one of the most gracious people that I know, honestly. Um, Thank you. Yeah. You're one of those people. I'll never forget. Uh, we were working together on Hip Hop POV on yes. TV. And what year was that? Oh, so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> like 2012? Yeah. And yeah. you, I, I'll never forget that from day one, every single person in that in that room, whether it was an audience member or it was a cameraman or whoever, you stopped and shook every single person's hand, looked them in their eye and had like brief dialogue. It took forever. But mm-hmm. you did that with every single person. Um, and that always stuck with me. Yeah, because I just feel like if somebody's in your space, they're in your space for a reason. And plus, all of those people helped to make that show Whatever that show was, you yeah. know what I'm saying? From the cameramen to the producers to the audience members, like they're all there to make us look good. You know, right. like I think sometimes talent, we think too highly of ourselves. We always say things like this show could never work without me. Actually, this show couldn't work without anybody. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it couldn't work without the person that has to do all of the equipment and has absolutely. to do all of the But talent, you can find. Yeah, those are the unsung heroes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those are the people whose hands you shake and, you know, you make sure they're good. And when the holidays come around, you send them a bottle or, yeah. you know, order food for the staff. Like, those are the people who make you look good. So that's the least you can do is shake their hand. So how, let's go back 13 years. How do we become friends? Um... We become friends because it's like L.A. L.A. is like a, a foreign territory. I had never been to L.A. before. 
Like I had never been to LA. So it's like when I started working with Wendy, I started traveling a lot of places that I never traveled. And I never I've never been to LA, but I mean LA has always meant so much, you know, at least to me, because I'm from South Carolina. So being that I'm from South Carolina, you know, at the time we didn't have our own like history in hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're from New York, you 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 got a history. Like, you know, you got your Wu Tangs and your Biggies and your Nas's and your Rock Cam KRS one. When you're from South Carolina, you don't have that. So right. I used to listen to everything. So I used to listen to you know, mad music from the East Coast, mad stuff from down south, of course, and mad stuff from the West. So I felt like I knew what this city was about. You yeah. know what I mean? But so it's just like for me, when I got there, I just wanted to to meet people and and kick it with people. And like you were one of the first people, if if not the first, who was like, yo, let's I'm gonna show you the city. Yeah. So to speak. You know, I'm like, I'm one of those people that loves being tour guide because mm-hmm. I mean, I've lived, you know, a few places. I've done radio in Houston, a little brief stint in New York, but I'm a L.A. girl for real. Oh, like, absolutely. I'm so like Southern California. Um, and so whenever people are in what I consider to be my city, they're in L.A., I love playing tour guide because there's so much magic there to me. There's so many interesting little crevices all over Los Angeles, you know? And I like showing people real LA because I hate when people come like, oh yeah, but LA is so Hollywood. It's like, that is the tiniest part of Los Angeles and no one from LA goes there. And you put me on to so much, well, two things you put me on, hip hop and tofu. (laughs) Not tofu, Thai food. Thai food. (laughs) Hip hop and Thai food. She always wanted to eat Thai, Debbie Debbie always wanted to eat Thai food. It's my favorite cuisine. And then like, you put me on to so much dope ass hip hop, like, Glasses Malone, Kendrick Lamar, Bishop Lamont, Nipsey Hussle, Strong Arm Steady Gang. Like these, like Kendrick and Nipsey weren't popping. Right. Back then, at the, actually at the time, Glasses and Bishop had bigger buzzes. Way bigger. Than Nipsey Way bigger. and Kendrick. Yeah. Like Glasses had the record with Akon. Yeah. Bishop was signed to Dr. Dre. What happened to Bishop Lamont? I don't know. I know he's still working in music. I ran into him a few years ago in New York. Okay. Um, but I know he's definitely still, you know, doing his thing and he working. He was nice. Yeah, Bishop was mad talented. But it's just like, yo, Deb used to put me on mad hip hop and we just vibe. Like, you know, yeah. I'm an energy person. Like, things aren't complicated with me. You know, you meet somebody, you either vibe with them or you don't. And, and then there's some people that just, like, you really, really connect with, you really click with. Like, that's my people's, like... Yeah. Not not just somebody you meet in passing and you know that person. Like, you know, yeah, I know I know such and such from LA, but like, nah, Dev is the homie. So it's just like it just was an, a a very organic thing. Yeah. Like it's been like it's been really dope. I'll tell you, it's kind of a trip, right? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, and you're gonna act uber humble right now, but you are such a you've become such a massive star. Really? And such a necessary part of the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, um, I mean, I was playing this game Black Card Revoke the other day and you were one of the questions. No. Yeah. I'll show you when we when we stop. <laughs> really? Yeah. And so it, it's just so crazy because like, number one, it's like I'm so immensely like proud of you and inspired of you, inspired by you at the same time. But it's also kind of a mind trip because like you and me, started like we were just we we just existed in this time where the old regime had just kind of stopped but this new wave hadn't started social media was just barely like we were like you would tweet and just like you were tweeting into space like there wasn't 
no Nobody one had cared. followers or yeah. followings or, you know, um, and people were really doing real networking on social media. Like you, like if you message somebody, no matter if they were famous, like how famous they were on MySpace, they would message you back. Like Absolutely. it was a different, Absolutely. you know, <laughs> that's how I met a lot of people. Yeah. No, me too. Yeah. yeah. And at that time it's like, you know, so anyway, I say this to say it's so dope because I feel like now looking back at you, having known you in, in kind of the before time, right? Like you always had this thing about you. And it wasn't just that you're nuts, right? It wasn't just that you're crazy, but you always had this, almost this calmness about your destiny. Like, even if you didn't realize it, it's like there was something so much larger than you and you felt it without Mm -hmm. feeling it. So there was always this level calmness about you. And I think sometimes, especially when you meet people in, in the industry or entertainment, there's almost this, this rushed sense to them, right? Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. this like sometimes over eagerness, but very frazzled kind of energy sometimes because you're trying to get it. You're trying to get it. You're trying mm-hmm. to get it. You're trying to, okay, hey, pay attention to me. Okay, I need to meet you. Okay, da, da, da. like the hustle, 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 yes. right? And with you, there was this, you were always grinding. Like we literally slept on each other's couches. Yeah. I, used to, I used to fly out for auditions. I don't know why. It's been weird because it's been a lot of people that's been trying to get me to get into acting, but I used to fly out for auditions. I was actually casted for this show. I still don't know what happened to this show to this day. It's literally like, I wonder if it was like Ice Cube and Aaron Magruder. Yes, and, I remember when you did yes. that. <laughs> and it was like me, Jason Weaver, Bow Wow, Slink Johnson, I think Cube was on the cast too. Whatever it was, like I was, I, I went out there for a reading for it, and I couldn't afford. Yo, I lent you my car that day, my car, my yes. Jeep. <laughs> yeah, and I drove, I drove to the audition, and I slept on your couch the night before, and I literally flew right back out. You know what I'm saying? But it's like that's the type of stuff that we used to do back then, just to try to find ourselves, find yeah. what our purpose was in this business. Because I was like, okay, radio. I don't even. Th- I think I had just got fired from Wendy at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that had to be and like before you went to Philly. Before I went to Philly, yeah, man, I forgot about that till just now. But just like your grind has been, it's been crazy. Like, and you've always been making like really high level connections, even if it didn't come to fruition. You mm-hmm. know, until a few years later, like the just the steps that you took. Again, it just seemed like there was always this kind of divine guiding light. Um, and I, I remember like weird shit too, like. We were at dinner once with Teddy Riley and Vivica. Oh my God. <laughs> I still don't know how that happened to this day. I remember I texted you one night and, and I was like, yo, did we go to did we didn't we go to dinner with Teddy Riley and Yeah. Like, cause it seemed like a dream now. I'm like, how did we And we, we had, didn't have any like social proof of it there was no Instagram none. at the time or like And there was no reason for us. It was Teddy Riley, Vivica Fox, Glasses was there. Who yeah. else? I don't remember. And why? Why were we all there? Together? Why would it? And yo, I love Teddy Riley. Like I'm a I'm a Uptown Records fanatic. Like I want to I want to see an Uptown Records movie done one day. Like I love that whole new Jack Swing era. Like I look at Teddy the way people look at Dr. Dre and look at mm. Diddy. Like I yeah. look at Teddy in that way. So it's like for me to for us to just be randomly having dinner with him and just like he was just giving me mad game. And I remember that night he told me he was like, "There's no such thing as a tall superstar." He was like, he was like, he was like, all superstars are short. He was like, I'm telling you. And I was like, this is, mind you, this had to be like, oh, what, eight? Yeah. Yeah, it had to be oh, yeah, eight because I was still working with Wendy, oh, seven, oh, eight. So I'm like, yo, what about Jay Z? He was like, Jay Z, not a star. 
<laughs> this, mind you, this old time, he was like, Jay-Z not a star. He was like, Jay-Z is Jay-Z, but he's not a star. I'm just talking about natural star quality when you walk in a room and everybody's looking at you. Of course, he's wrong about right, that now. Obviously. But at the time, it, for whatever reason, it made sense. The logic made sense. I get what he means, like, in, just in the sense of, like, a certain level of charisma, you know? Make, yeah. Like, uh, not, obviously, Jay-Z has charisma, but I mean in the sense of, like... I don't know. I feel like, yeah, maybe like smaller guys do have a little bit more bravado about them. Yeah. And when he broke it down, he was talking about the music industry. And you think about it, mad people are super, super short. Everybody's so small. You know small. what I'm saying? Like, this is recently the era of tall rappers. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Snoop was an anomaly Stupid. back in the day. Game. Now right. you got J. Cole and the Dave East and all of these Nipsey Hustle. These, that's, tall rappers were not a thing until now. Yeah. So it made sense, but it was just random. Like, yeah. those were good times. And that's why I love LA so much. Like, LA was just one of those places where, you know what else LA made me do? LA really made me feel like somebody. What do you mean? Because, I don't know. It's like when we went to LA, people there appreciated whatever it was we were doing in a different way. Mm. Even though Wendy didn't have like massive success there or nothing like that, for whatever reason, they was like, Rocking with us for some reason. Yeah. And it made, I remember I was writing for Ozone and I used to write um these columns for Ozone magazine all the time. I remember yeah. writing a column about LA, about just, you know, I was looking forward to coming to LA. You know what I'm saying? Like it was it was the it was the music, it was the the weather, the people, like and still to this day I've got like like relationships in LA because yeah. of those times. Like Crondon yeah. is my guy. You know what I mean? Because of you. Glasses is still my Strong guy. Steady. Like, these are people that I talk to, like, on the regular. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's Yo, good. Crondon is killing it right now, oh, by Krondon the way. is killing. He's taking he's, over yeah. the acting world. Oh, he's killing. And it's, it's interesting because he's another one. Like, when you talk about people who had an energy about them, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, he was one of those guys who had a an energy about them. Like, you know he's what I'm saying? He's a super special person. Yeah. yeah. And just a good brother, you know? So, and he's and very smart, has a lot to offer. The world, you know, on a, on an intellectual level, yeah. just people haven't seen that side yet. I don't think, but I think they will, you know. But just a good dude, and me and glass, me and glasses talk every other day glasses about alone. nothing. Yeah, you know what I'm oh, saying. He'll debate your ass to death about nothing, and he gets so mad. But I call him a troll, and glass is one of my best friends in the world. Mm -hmm. But he's a he trolls social media like the most. Like, he's a Trump supporter. Like, he has that level of troll about him. <laughs> and he talks about the most outlandish things. He like, believes it, though. He believes it. That's the wild part. <laughs> That's why I like it. That's why I like Glasses, though, because Glasses is who he is. You know what I'm saying? And, like, he's not saying things just to say them, you know? Like, he really means that. And I'll be wanting to know why he feels that way, yeah. you know? But those are just lifelong relationships that I forged because of you. I didn't know those people. <laughs> Yo, I used to have you in some crazy shit too. Cause at that time, especially in LA, like everything, everything about LA was underground. Um, yes. still because like, like game obviously had popped off and had huge success, but then it was like 10 years after him that there was no next like heir apparent. And everyone from coast to coast was just dissing LA. And at that time I was on the come up, you know, so I was like all about underground hip hop. And mm -hmm. yes, yeah, so I used to put you in some interesting positions. Hell yeah. <laughs> all the time. 
I didn't even remember. I don't even remember Game. Well, Game was popping by then. No, for sure. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. He was, no, no. He was already a superstar. But yeah. I mean, after him, there was not really, you know. Yeah, the thing was, Game. Um, and I love Game. I think he's a dope lyricist. But people thought that Game was stereotypical LA. If mm. that makes sense, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the, the Chuck yeah. Taylors, the Low Riders. It's like, oh, we've seen that before. Mm. You know? Yeah, and I think for people in other areas, they don't realize like like that really legitimately is an active part of our culture. Like Absolutely. it's not it's not, oh, I'm still doing the same old thing. Like, no, that's how people live. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Okay, so let's flash forward. We're in a Mexico right now. Cabo at Debbie's vacation home. <laughs> we are in Cabo. And I just think it's just so dope when I think of like, you know, just the people I care about. Like earlier today, we were at a beautiful dinner, right? With Amazing. some brand new friends that we met in last Cabo. Night. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, well, I met them yeah. last night. Yeah. And um, we were at this gorgeous like hacienda in, you know, the, the outskirts of Cabo, mm-hmm. having this incredible fresh lobster meal, talking oh, conversation. Man. It was so beautiful. Coconut rice. Yeah. And as we were leaving, you were like, yo, we're adults. We're adults. I mean, honestly, like, you're putting the car seat in the car. <laughs> Baby Quest yeah, is popping me, in. Baby Quest is getting called. You me. and Mook Mook. Yeah, me and, me and Mook got two, three kids at the crib back home. Like, we got the, the we're nanny like and my mom. We're vacationing friends. Like, on, our families are vacationing. On a random weekend. This ain't no holiday weekend right. or nothing like that. Like, it's just like, yo, Dev is in, and Devin Dwayne is away for a month. They at the, the crib. Let's pull up on a weekend. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> but it's like, and I was saying, like, we, we're, we're really the adults. Because back in the day when you was young, you would see these people on TV. Or you'd see them, you know, sometimes in, if you lived in an affluent area, you'd see these fly families. Like yeah. I think about, like, my aunt, my aunt Dot and my Uncle Jim. Like, you know, they always seem to have money. You know, I'm not saying they were rich, but I don't even know if they were. It just used to seem like that. Like they lived yeah. in the Poconos. They just was cool. Ah, and you'd the see Poconos. them you'd see them traveling, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yo, we are those adults now. Yeah. We're the, we're adults. Like we're grown as hell. Like with kids Man. and vacation homes. Spouses. <laughs> and spouses. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> like that's wild to me. Like think about it, thirteen years ago. Me and my wife was together. We weren't married, but we were together. Yeah. But it's like my my mindset was totally different. I was banging all Dev's interns. Oh man! <laughs> you know, so wild, yo. So in your first book, mm-hmm. you wrote an entire page about me and about people I worked with that you were sleeping with. Do you know how many people have contacted me about that? Really? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yo, you put me in a bad position. You didn't know, though. I know. You didn't know? Well, I found out when I read your book. Yeah. Well, listen, K-Day was popping. <laughs> K-Day, was, K-Day, K-Day was popping, okay? Oh, and it was, it was a, a lot of grown people used to work at K-Day. We used to like to have a good time. <laughs> and we used to have a good time. It was fun. It was fun times back then. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying, I'm, I'm saying all I had to say, my mind state was totally different. Yeah. 13 years yeah. ago like I, I was I was immature you know what I'm saying and like when you're trying to figure yourself out on a on a on a uh, sp- spiritual level on a, a a human level yeah and and you you're you're I'm new to this whole industry thing so to speak you know what I'm saying because going from South Carolina to working with Wendy was a 
totally different Man. levels. I'm on VH1, yeah. and in your mind, you you're, you you skipped so many levels. Yeah, like it literally went zero to hundred. Zero to hundred. Yeah, and it's like you you're acting the way you think you're supposed mm. to act. Like, oh, this is all you know. This comes with the territory. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is. You know, fruit off that tree. Like you're supposed yeah. to be with a bunch of different women. You're supposed to be getting high. Uh, you're supposed to be wearing Louis Vuitton custom made vest. <laughs> like, mm. like a whole bunch of stuff that wasn't necessarily me, and it it, it left you with such a, a empty feeling. So, what point do you realize that that's not you? Um, I realized it wasn't me when I got fired from Wendy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, no, I realized it wasn't me while I was through that whole period of be, even being with Wendy. Because it don't take me long to realize, like, yo, this ain't, this not for me. Like, as soon as I do something and I leave with an empty feeling or a, a guilty feeling yeah. or, you know, like, it's really just the guilt. And I think the guilt comes from knowing that I know better spiritually. Mm. Like, more so than anything. The guilt of of anything I do, like if I'm in L.A. and I wake up with three women, right, I feel bad. You know what I'm saying? You should. I do. I feel bad because I, I know I feel like spiritually. Yeah. I'm not moving the way I, I want to move. And Well, and is that because you realize that like a decision like that means that you're really living out of ego? Like that's yeah. an ego decision. Like I'm going to bang three random strangers and they're just gonna be in my bed, and like that's like really ego led. Like, oh, I can. Yeah, and it was fun because it used to be like, uh, you know, if when 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 like say Wendy's husband would come to my room in the morning and see this, like, oh shit, like, oh you, you living, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You doing, you living, you know what I mean? So it's like that was all ego. Yeah, you know what I mean? I was doing that because I wanted him to see. Like, well, yeah, I get it popping, like, you know? So it's just, like, st- stuff like that. We were younger, young and dumb. I was just turning 30 around that time. Like, and, and, and like, you know, Chris Rock told me one time, Chris Rock said every superhero going to try their superpowers. Mm. So at the time, you think you got superpowers, you know, until you realize that actually that's really your kryptonite. Mm. Your Hello. Kryptonite, your kryptonite is that life and that lifestyle because that never made me feel fulfilled, ever. So, so how do you take it? Because I think especially... With all people, but really with men, this is a this is one of the harder parts about, I guess, like, quote, unquote, being on your journey, right? It's, hey, I realize that this doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. I know I'm doing the wrong thing. But what propels you to learn how to change your behavior? Because men are raised so much differently than women, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we are raised to seek out solutions to problems, specifically problems about our feelings. We're raised to talk about our feelings. Mm-hmm. We're raised to have very transparent conversations with other people about how we feel, right? Men, completely the opposite. You guys have a really hard time sometimes having like friendships with depth other than, are you straight? I, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. like you guys have a lot of trouble sometimes getting to depth. So what what takes it from intellectualizing it to embodying it? Because there's a lot of guys, a lot of people that can say, oh, yeah, because this is why this or they read the books. Right. So they mm-hmm. have the language to explain their behavior mm-hmm. and they have all the right terminology, but it doesn't change their behavior. How do you get there? I think that um, the the. The cycle is breaking because of what you just said. I think that where 
This generation, this generation of men right here is learning from the mistakes of the men that came before us. Because I'll tell you all the time, I know I was raised wrong. I was raised wrong from not only the music, the movies, and, you know, everything that we saw growing up. But I was just raised wrong because of the men around me. Like, you know, I can remember confronting my father about cheating on my mom and him Mm. looking me in the eyes and telling me, oh, you only got one girlfriend and laughing (laughs) and then telling me like, yo, one day you'll understand. You know wow. what I'm saying? Like we learn, like we we're, we're visual people, humans are. So we learn from the men that are around us. So if yeah. you got all of these people in music telling us that bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks, and you're supposed to dog women out, like literally, we were taught to dog yeah. women out in order for women to love you more, mm-hmm. in order for women to respect you, you had to treat them like shit. Like like honestly, like that's yeah. how they, that's what they used to tell us. It's wild, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, like. It's wild to me. I've really been trying in my mind to pinpoint when misogyny took over in music to the level that it has, right? Um, And I really feel like, and I could be wrong, Mm -hmm. I'm early in my research, uh, but I really feel like it was like the NWA era. It was that moment in time that things shifted in such a way that we have never recovered from when it comes to like our interpersonal relationships between men and women, mm-hmm. like having conversations about intimacy and having certain expectations of behavior. Everything changed around the time frame of NWA. Before that, the songs were beautiful. Yeah, right. You had, like you were, you were, you were talking to women in a completely different way. Yeah, and that's why that's why it's like a emotional roller coaster for a man, right? Because I grew up, mother was a Jehovah Witness, grandmother was a Baptist, father studied Islam. So my father was a witness too. But when he got into Islam, like he was giving me the autobiography of Malcolm X, he was giving yeah. me message to the black man by Elijah Muhammad. I was reading from niggas to God by Akil. So being that I was getting all of this different information, I knew. I was supposed to treat my women like queens. I mm. knew I was supposed to protect and provide for for my for my sisters. I knew all of that. But then you got your hip hop shit, and and before even before that though, you had Queen Latifah making songs like you and I T Y. Yeah. So to me, it was corny to call a woman a bitch. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I used to think that all of those rappers who were calling women bitches and hoes were lame. But then eventually. Those dudes that was calling those women bitches and hoes, their music just was sounding way better yeah. than the positive shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, like the the, the death row shit yeah. was sounding way better than what was coming from the East Coast. Cause you got to think about it. Uh, you had uh, all in the same gang. You had um, you're headed for self destruction. Yeah. You had all of these songs that were uplifting and trying to empower us as a people and teaching us how to just love each other and not be violent towards each other and not be violent yeah. towards our women. But then. It got to a point where, like I said, that 90s death row shit just sounded better. So you go from knowing knowing better yeah. to, well... Well, the shit's catchy. Yeah, Snoop them saying do this, but Farrakhan them saying do this. And then yeah. you had C. Dolores Tucker who... But Snoop and them got all the money and they got... Exactly. Yeah. Like C. Dolores Tucker came out, everything she was saying was true. Yeah, it was. And we said, fuck her. Like she's, <laughs> like, a she, she's a hater. Everything she was saying was absolutely true. So I, this is me. I feel like we're the first generation of men who are breaking the cycle. Yeah. Meaning that we realize the error in our ways. And we're realizing it at an age where we're young enough to know better and do better. Like, I still got my father them is, is like, telling me. Yo, what you're doing is right. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <clears throat> but they 60-something years old, so they stuck in a lot of their ways. Like, I looked at what my father did to my mom in, in, in our family, and I said, I don't want to be that. Mm. I don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? I want to be the exact opposite. I want to be faithful to my wife. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to break up my, 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 my home. I don't want to end up, you know... Wilding out here with a bunch of chicks, getting a divorce, and then I gotta come see my kids on weekends. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I want to be here for for my my family, and I think that also, the, like you said, the conversation. Like men are having these conversations with each yeah. other. Thank like, God. Men are going to therapy. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Men are understanding that it's okay to be vulnerable. Like you don't gotta put on a front and pretend to be hard. Yeah, things things bother us. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, like, like. I love hearing. Like, I'm, I was listening to the Offset album. He got a song called um, uh, "Don't Lose Me," and, mm. and he's he's saying that's what Cardi told him. Don't lose me. And I'm listening to this song, and I'm like, yo, this is so dope because that's exactly what it is. Like, when you are blessed to have a woman in your corner who's really your better half and who really makes a house, a home, and who really is like a great nurturer to your children and a great nurturer to you because she's poured so much into you to make you a better human. Yeah. So now you can only hope to pour, you know, pour it right back into her. When you have that, you, you lose, if you lose that, like you understand, like you're losing, like, like people get upset when they lose their smartphones and stuff. Like you're losing, like <laughs> you're losing something that you can never recover from. And I've never seen a man ever in my life leave his woman go to another situation and life becomes better for them yeah i've ne i've never seen it i've never i've seen i've seen every man i know who left their woman for another woman their quality of life goes down their 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 professional life goes yeah. down they're never happy like my father tell me all the time, like I'm just the, the worst They're, mistake ever. They never have peace. They never have peace. He always tell me the worst mistake I ever made was leaving your mom. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like I'm not gonna make those same mistakes. Yeah. I'm 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 not. I refuse. Like I I I think that the the illest thing you can do is just continue to, you know, pour into your relationship. You know. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field. From free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. 
Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I find, I find the relationships between men and women to be so fascinating, man. And I've done years of therapy, right? And mm-hmm. in my marriage, we've done couples therapy. I wanted to become a therapist, a psychologist at one point. Um, it's really, we've become not just so desensitized and disconnected with violence and, and things that we watch, right? Like that, that's a big thing that people talk about is like how desensitized you're coming because of the world star videos or academics videos that you're seeing murder or pain or tragedy so quickly in between sandwich in between the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. We're also getting so desensitized when it comes to like what love and relationship is or should look like, because mm-hmm. we're so used to seeing people aired out, you know, quote unquote, or well, so used to dysfunction. We're so used to the dysfunction Mm -hmm. and we've found the toxicity to be entertaining. But I think what people don't realize, men, men who are messing on the side with women or or women who are side chicks with men that think that they have a shot at happiness with this person. What you don't understand is that on a soul level, it's not just about, you know, sometimes people can break up. It's Mm -hmm. fine, right? Life, Life happens. If you are appealing to the lower side of somebody, you can never have happiness with them. Ooh. If you're appealing to mm. their lowest self, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, yeah, they chose you. You guys, quote unquote, had sex, you know, like, um, but for him to do that, he had to really compartmentalize his integrity. Yes. He had to really hide the shame that he feels he had to lie right he had to do certain things that proved to be character flaws yes. so that means he's operating as the lower version of himself yes absolutely versus when you make great decisions for your life that feel good yes. that you don't have to cover up that you don't have to lie about that you don't have to you know try to rearrange to make sense you're your highest self you feel great about your life and about you when you're making serving choices So I think what people don't understand is that when, whether it's cheating or not, when you're making decisions that are counterintuitive to that, when you're making decisions that just speak to your lowest self, there can never be happiness. There can never be happiness. Like I've I've been in situations where I've been uh, out of town. You wake up in the morning. You got another chick in your bed. You get a FaceTime from your wife and, 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 and your daughter. And you're like, oh, shoot, that's my wife. She was like, oh, I hide under the covers. 
Wow. And 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 immediately you feel like, first of all, who the <laughs> fuck are you? <laughs> and, and 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 why am I around you? But yeah, then you're like, yeah. that's, you can't. You ain't no better than her. You're entertaining this. You know what I'm saying? This yeah. is this is you not even remotely being your best. You're submitting right. to your lower nature. Yeah. So being that you're submitting to your lower nature, she's doing. She's feeding that. She's feeding that. Yeah, and she thinks that's cool. Like she thought yeah. that was like she really thought that was dope. Like when I when I got off the phone now because my dumb ass didn't answer the phone. When I got off the phone, she goes, "I'm a good side chick, ain't I?" And I'm like, "Wow." That don't feel good. Like that's not. I'm not. Yeah. That's that's really. I'm feeding my lower nature. I'm feeding all my lower desires. Like that's some bum shit. Like that. Well, and also, why would anyone want to rise to the occasion to treat you better if you're plainly stating that that's all it takes for you? Yeah. You know, like that. That the lowest form of whatever someone yeah. has to offer is enough for you. That's always what they'll give you. Yeah. But and also too, it's like they can't rise to the higher nature. Yeah. Cause it's not destined for them to rise to the higher nature. Like this is divine. Like when I tell when I say we're adulting yeah, and we're with our families and we're on vacation, like this is deep. This is divine. This is the, this is the highest levels of ourselves. Like we're out here because we want, you know, mental wellness like we're we're, yeah. we're we're feeding ourselves we're feeding our souls right now like you come to Cabo to feed your soul yeah you invite your friends here because you want them to get their souls fed too we come here we feel that energy you can't get that with no side chick <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> like you're gonna be sneaking around in hotels yeah late at night one two in the morning it's like there's nothing to be fed there so she yeah. like they couldn't rise to that occasion if they tried yeah you can't get that with a with a side chick a side dude you can't get that with surface people yes. you know like you know even people who just surround themselves with people that only speak to the surface of who you are yeah you're feeding your no ego and not there. your soul yeah that's that's what you're feeding your ego and not your soul that's really what you're doing and you're setting yourself up for a lonely life and nobody wants that because at the end of the day truthfully and i really feel like this none of this matters anyway like we're blessed yeah. you know what i'm saying but at the end of the day when you're 70, 80 years old, you know what I'm saying? All you're going to have is your peace of mind and all you're going to have is your soul and you want both of those things to be pure, pure as possible. Yeah. So the only energy you're going to want around you and at that age, you should only be attracting positive energy. Like you think about the woman that we just left, right? Yeah. Pilar. Shout out to Pilar. She is, and I, and I know I know a woman like her, my, 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 my people Jan, but she's so pure and her Energy is so pure. She's only going to attract other pure souls. So yeah. you, you look at it and you say, oh, it's so crazy that she randomly would invite people to her house. That's not random. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's God saying, yo, you have a, a, a attraction to this person in some way. It's a magnetism. Like this yeah. person is like you. Y'all are like-minded. Y'all are y'all are y'all are attached to the soul. It's some type of energy. Like you're not just inviting random people over. Like you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like that only happens when you get to a certain age and a certain level of experience where you're just pure yeah. and peaceful. Like you know the people that are coming into your life are just good, solid people. So it's like you, we're all going to get to that age where that's all we have is energy. Yeah. So when we get to that age where all you have is energy, you want your energy to be right. Like you don't want to be lonely. Yeah. Can you imagine still being 70, 80 years old and feeling insecure? You know what I'm saying? Having regrets. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like upset because of the poor choices that you made when you was young. 
when all you really had to do was the right thing. <laughs> it's, and it's so much easier to do than you so imagine. Much, so much. Like me, I want peace of mind. Yeah. I think too, like people, a thing that I've had to learn, and I guess the thing that we need to be a little bit more gentle with our elders about is us being who we are right now, mm -hmm. right? Having self-discovery is a luxury. Yes. And it's the first time in history on such a broad and mainstream level have people been able to actually do something like be on the journey yes. or find themselves Absolutely. or, you know, everything, the books that exist, yes. seeing Instagram posts, yes. you know, having, you know, extra, extra income that you can make for yourself to do things for yourself, the self-care, like all of that is so recent. Absolutely. Um, obviously, you know, there have been things that have existed for since the dawn of time, but usually only a few people got to know that stuff. Absolutely. And it definitely was not done or set on a mainstream level. So one, we're super blessed in that. Two, it's not for everybody in this lifetime. And we have to be okay with that, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. Because that's another thing. Like, when you start to do the work and you change, it seems so common sense. And you want everyone in your life to have that and experience that. But they also have their own curriculum. They were put on this earth to learn their own things in their own time. And it's not our decision when or how, Absolutely. you know? I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like, just knowing that things happen for everybody else on, on their time and, and not yours. But the only thing we can do is be vessels, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I said, when you know better, you do better, but you also teach better, you know, and, and, and it'll happen in your, your actions. I, I saw uh, I saw Joe Budden retweet something the other day, and it was interesting because uh, it said um, the guy actually named me Nipsey Hussle and Joe. And he was like, yo, y'all think Joe Budden is a dope podcaster. But he said what Joe did was get dope at life. Wow. You know what I'm saying? He, and he, he said, yo. And he said, Charlamagne, Nipsey, and Joe Budden all became better people. Yeah. And I truly believe that. And I would that. throw Gucci man in that, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know Gucci. That's funny, because I, I, I know Gucci. Of course, we all see the evolution, so you can see it. Yeah. But I mean, I've, I've, I've had conversations with Nipsey and Joe and all of them, so I know I've seen, I, like, I've been yeah. doing Joe forever, but it's just like, yeah. And, and I, that's something that I always said to myself, like, if I become a better person, everything else will fall into place. We, we had this conversation a couple of days ago. I was like, yo, I don't... The professional is easy at this point, yeah. as long as you keep getting better as a human being and sharing that journey, sharing that experience. I wrote a whole new book because of that experience of mm -hmm. just me going to therapy and, you know, you know, coming to terms with my mental health. And then I'm learning so much, you know, new stuff about me. But then I'm also learning new stuff about my family, which helps me be better because I'm realizing like, OK, a lot of the things that I feel a lot of things that I go through, this is hereditary, you know what I'm saying? And it helped me to like, like when I found out my father has been getting a check for mental health for 30 plus years and he tried to kill himself 30 years ago. And, and he only he, told you that after he read your book. Yes, after wow. he read Shook When he told me this Thanksgiving of 2018, he was 10 to 12 different medications he tried, therapy two and three times a week, you know what I mean? He wanted to kill himself 25, 30 years ago. I never knew any of this, but it, it makes me look at him different now. Because now I realize, okay, those times we used to visit him in rehab and when he was alcoholic or he was on coke, stuff like that, he was self-medicating. Like, I understand that he was going through a lot of trauma. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I can think of, you know, beatings that I used to get when I was young that I didn't think nothing of back then. I was like, God damn, don't act up or you're going to get beat with that extension cord and your pop's going to make you go take a bath. Now you think about how extreme that was because... <laughs> Hurt people hurt people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like all of that helped me to 
love him in a different way and understand him in a different way. And it helps me to love myself in a different way and understand myself in a different way. Cause I realized like, yo, in order to really be better humans, we all have to break these cycles. You know what I'm saying? And the, the, we can't repair the trauma that our parents went through, but we can repair the trauma that we went through and have a better understanding of our parents' trauma to make sure our kids don't have to deal with that. You know what I mean? So yeah, like you said, it's very, what you said is true. It's like, this is a new era of self-discovery for so many of us, but we have the luxury to do that. Yeah. You know, they didn't have that luxury. How can, how can you have that luxury when you're uh, a, a, a mother in South Carolina making $20,000 a year and you got five kids? Mm. <laughs> like, like when, when did my mom have a chance to discover herself you know i guess when she went to the kingdom hall maybe that was probably her her refuge but like when did my pops have a chance to discover himself you know what i'm saying like they didn't yeah we have that luxury it's such a gift it really is such a gift and it's like i i get excited to think of like what are we gonna in 50 years right when when people are writing about today Mm-hmm. What are going to be the ramifications? On one hand, it's going to be a little scary when you think about the impact social media maybe has had on us or, you know, what all the Internet babies are going to grow up to be. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, the yin to the yang is this real chance to change the course of generations by healing traumas. Mm. Like I'm a, I'm a huge believer that the only way to truly create genera- generational change specifically in communities of color, but this also applies to everybody is by helping people learn how to be whole. Yes. Like you can absolutely, right. We can change our destinies economically and you know, all these, all these other ways, like people are always talking about like advancements in different spaces, no matter how much money you make, if you are broken, it will make no change or difference None. when you give somebody the opportunity to seek wholeness, when you give them the tools to do that and they are then able to share those things. That's the only way we're really going to see a, a significant you, impact you in the, rest of the world. I think that we can attempt wholeness mm-hmm. and even attempting wholeness is the biggest part of the journey of the battle. You know, yeah, Raekwon used to say, um, striving for perfection. And I feel like that's what. That's what it is. Like it's it's always a constant process of trying to get to that wholeness. I don't yeah. know if we ever will truly. And I truly get what he's saying, but I wouldn't. When I look at it, I look at, at it from a standpoint of even calling it perfection is so ego based and yeah. unattainable. Whereas like wholeness is such a personalized completion. You know, it's such a. It's like I want to make the most serving choices for me. I want to do what's right because it's right. Because it's right. Simple. I promise you, man. Like it's cuz I I've, I've always felt like I'm I'm guided by a higher power. Yeah. Right? And I know that that higher power is always watching me. And I always say that the bad things that happen to me are because of my poor choices. The good things that happen to me are because of God. But then again, I don't believe in necessarily good or bad experiences. I believe right. that it's all just part of a process. And I believe like God just has me going through this process at all times. And like I know that there's a high power always paying attention to what I'm doing. That's why I want to do what's right. You know what I'm saying? You know how they say uh, your character is who you are when nobody's watching? Yeah. But there's always a higher power watching. So just always make sure you're constantly doing the right thing, and the universe and will reward you for that. And you're always watching. 
Yeah. Like you, like no matter how good we think something makes us feel, like on a subconscious psyche level, you always know what you're doing. You know when you're doing and it wrong. Do you yeah. want to take on that level of shame or guilt that may not service immediately, but that will always sit with nah. you in the pit of your stomach? I don't want that. Nah, because I feel like shit. I feel, and not only do I feel like shit, I feel like I'm full of shit. And yeah. one thing I don't like to do is feel like I'm full of shit. <laughs> right. Because I can't sit here and bullshit you. Like I yeah. know if I know I'm if I know I'm doing some foul shit, like that's why I'm I'm not good with it. Like I can't lie to my wife. You know what I'm saying? I can't pretend to be something that I'm not. You know what I mean? And it's much more fun to listen, women know, first of all. We know everything. They know everything. Like I can I can see the difference in my wife. Because she knows that I'm out here doing what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. You know what I'm saying? Like Our, our intuitive power is honestly second to none, at least for women that are, are tapped into the goodness of themselves. I've n- and I'm not even trying to say this boastfully. I've never been wrong. Mm. Any, any insight that I've had, anything that I have thought that has come to me about anything, and, I, and I'm not talking about like, you know, some of that stuff. I, I mean, specifically, like, even like, hey, watch out for that person. Or, hey, this person in our life, I think it's going to end up like this yeah. or that. I've never once, ever once been wrong. Damn. It's wild. And I, and I think, you know, God, when your heart is good, God mm-hmm. heightens your intuition. Absolutely. I like to think my heart is 100%. good. So I do feel that I have a lot of vision into many of the things that happen in my life in a way that I cannot always explain. I dream about stuff that happens. It's the most bizarre thing. I think that um, uh, the older you get to, your senses are heightened. Yeah. Because I feel way more than I felt. Well, no, I've always felt, but I can really, I feel people's pain. I feel people's happiness. I feel empathy in a way that I never felt empathy before. Like I had to stop myself today because I was working out and I'm looking out at the waters. We're working out and I'm like, it's somebody that has... I know it's done me wrong and like I, I see their world crumbling and I'm happy that their world is crumbling but then I also get sad because yeah. I don't really wish bad on nobody but then like for just like these brief moments as I'm in the gym I'm thinking about beating the person up and all kind of stuff and then I, it's like <laughs> it's like God said to me could you chill out and let me handle this all right, you don't have to do nothing alright and by the way I don't even think that's God that's, that punishes you when you're wrong Right. I just think that's just what, what happens. You 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 put some negative energy out there, it's going to all come back to you. Now, the only person that can get you out of it is God. Yeah. But he didn't do that to you. No, You know no, what I'm no. saying? Like, I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't ever feel that way. That's what, it's, but that's what my mind said. My mind was just like, could you just let the universe do what it does? Like, And you know, like, so in Sanskrit, karma, the word everyone always overuses, it just means action. That's it. Absolutely. You know, it's just an action. Mm-hmm. Um so it's always going to happen. And, and you're not always going to realize, I got karma because of what I did here. You know, rarely does it ever happen that way. Especially, yeah. like, something um, that used to drive me crazy is, like, I'd be like, well, I wonder if that person, when something bad happens, they're going to say, this is happening to me because of what I did to Debbie. That never. would never happen. Never. People are too self-involved for yes. that to be the case. But. Yes. You know, I don't know. I something I really work towards because I've had I've had some significant betrayals in my life. I went above and beyond for people, and then they came in and for whatever reason decided that they wanted to shit on me and make my life hard. You know, yeah, that's not gonna stop me from <laughs> showing love. 
to other people. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like that's sometimes what the devil wants. The devil wants you to have a bad experience with an individual and then you stop doing your work. He wants you to be changed. Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm he saying? He wants you to be changed. I'm not going to stop doing my work. I'm not going to stop being a public servant. I'm not going to stop being here for people just because this one person decided yeah. they wanted to shit on me because I know what I did for that individual. And that individual knows, knows deep down what inside I, yeah. what I and did. And no matter how you act. Nope. No matter how much you go around and tell everybody else I'm, how I'm, yep. I'm a terrible person and had the worst experience in your life, whatever, you know the truth. That, that that was always like a big source of my anxiety. A big source of my anxiety was like knowing that I wasn't living the way I was supposed to live. So when bad things would happen to me, I know that that was my fault. Yeah. Like I caused that to happen because of a poor choice that I made, because of energy that I may have been giving out that wasn't right. But when you when you really are... Submitting your will to your higher nature. When you're submitting your will to the God in you, you just realize whatever happens in your life is just part of the process. Like, yeah, yeah, things may happen that people may look at me like, oh, that's messed up. You're going to have your losses and stuff like that. But I don't trip because I feel like, okay, God is clearly blocking me, you know what I'm saying, from something. You know what I'm saying? Are, are nobody yet blocking something from me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I, this isn't part of your path right now. I want mm. you to... Continue to keep doing what you're doing, but I'm closing this door for a reason. And I'm not going to question it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to question it. Of course, in your mind, you'll be like, damn, why did that happen? Or, oh, why did I lose this? Why did I lose that? It's because I wanted you to. You know what I mean? Same way I when I, you don't ask that question when you get blessed with something. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? When I bless you with something, yeah. you don't ask why God why like so don't ask when I decide to close the door I'm really the best CEO out here like I know what like that's that's how I really feel yep. like God does God is like yo I know what's best for you because they he really does or she really does I don't know what the divine it really does it really yeah. does you know what I'm saying so God's timing is perfect always always and I just I sit back and I watch and like you know he always puts me in the situations that I need to be in yeah you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not, that's not what I want to be what you in. Not what want. Need to be in. Always. Always. And it's always the right people. It's always the right situation. And it's just like, And that I mental shift is what makes all the difference. Absolutely. And I think that's especially what gives you in whatever it is that you're doing longevity. Mm -hmm. Because the thing that gets overused is the idea of purpose. I have to find my purpose. All of our purpose is to be of service. Absolutely. Anything else you do is just added little skill sets that you may have. But when you realize that no matter what job title you have, whether it's radio superstar and author like you or, you know, teacher or McDonald's drive through employee, if what you're doing comes from a place where you recognize that your goal in life is to be of service to others. Yes. You have found your purpose. Yes. You are walking in purpose. Purpose is not one thing. It's not, oh, my purpose is that I'm going to be this. No, that's ego. That's career. Service is all of our purpose. That's it. I Everything learned, else is the details. I learned that a while ago. Like, you know, your true purpose comes uh, with service to others. I remember reading that in The Power of Intention by Wayne W. Dyer. And the reason I hold on to that so much is because... You don't have to be rich to be of service. Yeah. You don't have to be, you know, in a certain position to be of service. Like anybody can serve, you know, and, and that's what really makes me feel fulfilled. Like I say it all the time. If I was a ball player, I would much rather lead the league in assists and points. You know what I'm saying? Because when you lead the league in assists, you're helping other people. Yeah. That's what life is about to me. Like that's that's what really makes me feel fulfilled at this point in my life.
And when you even talking about like divine purpose, it's like, yo, at the age I am now, I totally can look back at every single situation in my life, whether you label it good, whether you label it bad, it all served a greater purpose. Yeah. Every, I mean, every single situation. And you do such a great job of illustrating that in both of your books. Like, it's such, your books are incredible. First of all, I was like, is Char, can Char write? <laughs> <laughs> I always wrote, though. No, no, I know. Yeah, I used I to know. write for Ozone. I mean, my mom was yeah. an English teacher, so I would, like, always be writing short stories and stuff like that. I, I wasn't too sure I could write a book either, but that's why I got my man. Chris Moreau to teach me how to actually write a book. Yeah, you know, because I could. It was when it, it was wild because I know you very well, and we have a lot of like really deep conversations a lot. But I read that book, and there were so many new facets I didn't know, and there were so much like gems, you know, so many things in there where I was like, wow, oh wow, you know. So I think yeah. that's such an awesome thing to be able to do when you're already a transparent person, mm-hmm. but then you're still like digging deeper and you're giving people the unexpected. Absolutely. I mean, that's what books do though. Books, you know, it, it causes you to go deep and like as you're writing these things and especially with my second book, Because of Therapy, like my therapist helped me to understand my feelings more. So being that mm. I could understand my feelings more and I, I started to like deal with the trauma from things that happened to me when I was younger it enabled me to be able to explain what I was feeling better. Yes. You know? Yeah. Which is and then take it deeper. And I, that's what therapy taught me too was self-inquiry. Mm-hmm. Like the best tool you can give yourself is to ask your own self questions about you. And even when you think you have an answer, ask again yes. and ask again. And yes. then you just go deeper and deeper and deeper. And then before you know it, you're a crying three-year-old and you remember why you're, you know. <laughs> you know, it's so crazy because, like, I feel like I wrote Shook One too early. Really? Yeah. And, and like, you know, because Shook One is really just me scratching the surface. Because, like I said, it's so much that I learned. I learned about my father and his issues and how a lot of this stuff is hereditary. And, yeah. You know, um, like, even my little sister, she deals with things. And, like, you know, I, I grew up not liking my little sister because of how disrespectful I used to think she was but she was dealing with her own mental health issues you know what I'm saying so it's just like that made me look at her in a different way and start loving her more Mm. you know what I mean being the big brother she probably always needed so it's just like it's so much extending compassion yeah like it's just so much I've learned about myself you know in the past couple of years but I feel like that once again that book wasn't for me Mm. You know, that that book is something that needed to be in the ecosystem in 2018. You know what I'm saying? Also, there will be more books. Yeah, there will definitely be more books. But I did like the conversation was the conversation about mental health in our community has been elevated so much over the past few years. And, you know, this book is just something that just needed to be out there. I, I wasn't even I didn't even set out to write a book about mental health or anything like I just was. I'm going to talk about my experiences. And, and and in the process of me talking about my experiences, everybody around me is like, yo, you know this is a book about mental health. Like, you're going to therapy and you're talking about your anxiety and PTSD and trauma from things that happened to you when you was young. And like, yo, this is something that's never been done before. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's when I brought in my man, Dr. Ish, to give the clinical correlations. Yeah. So people could read it's this. genius. So people could read this book and just decide to actually go out there and start doing more self-discovery. Like, like that. This book is the beginning stages of healing, not only for myself, but just for a lot of different people. So that's what I mean when I say I feel like 
I wrote it too early, but then maybe not because, you know, this is what God wanted. This is what God put on my heart to do and put out there. And, you know, I get so many, you know, hits on social media and people walk up to me in the street and tell me, man, I started going to therapy because of you. And, you know, yo, I'm starting to like d deal with my own issues because of what you was talking about and shook one. And I'm wow. like, that's that's dope. Like, so this just like I said, some things are bigger than you. And this is definitely bigger than me. That's incredible. I, I really feel like listening to you talk that you embody the hero's journey. Are you familiar with that? Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. So it's all about um, basically fighting your demons, slaying your dragons. But the only way to really complete the circle of your transformation of self is by then sharing that information with others, by bringing it back to where you were from to share it. Um, and that's what that's what elevates you. That's what stands you in your purpose. That's what, you know, gives you more of a handle on destiny. And that's exactly what you're doing. And I think that that's why you've been so wildly successful because you're so authentically yourself in every stage of yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and then you're not afraid to share mistakes. You're not afraid to share pitfalls and you're not afraid to say, Hey, I thought I knew it all then. But now I've learned this, and here I am. And then at the next stage, now I've learned this, and here I am. 40 is an amazing stage because I felt the shift. And I, I was trying to think back. I'm like, yo, I don't remember feeling like this at 30. I don't remember feeling like this at 20. I might have felt like this at 10. But I think the only wow. time I felt like that at 10 is because you're in double digits now. Yeah. So your mind says, hey. It's an event. Like, like yeah. Like, and I'm not, and 40, I'm not thinking 40, 40 is definitely an event and it's a great milestone, but I'm talking about like, I could feel myself shift into a different dimension almost, like a different level of consciousness. Like yeah. I, can't, I can't describe it, like everything changed at 40 and I'm at the point right now where I don't know shit. Everything I thought I knew about myself, everything I thought I knew about life, I don't know anything like i don't like all of, like my old playbook is gone <laughs> like seriously i burnt it like it, it don't serve me anymore. yeah i've outgrown it no more that doesn't serve me at all so it's just like at 40 i'm just i'm kind of just living if that makes yeah sense. like i'm not trying to you're being fluid fluid i'm not trying yeah. to control anything i'm not trying to uh, uh, uh say hey i'm gonna do this and then this will happen i'm just living I just want to be the best father, best husband, best friend. Everything else will fall into place. That's that's genuinely how I feel. Those are the only three things I am absolutely sure about. Yeah. I'm going to be a great father, a great husband, and a great friend. Everything else will fall into place. Always. Whatever. That's the cheat code. Everyone always wants to know, how do you balance it all? How do you do this? How do you become successful? Yeah. What you just described is it. That simple and also that difficult. Yeah. You strive to be the best, highest version of you, separated from ego. And everything, uh, people would always say, oh, how do I want to, in my career, how do I do this? Or what's the best way? Strive to be the best, most whole version of yourself, most compassionate, kindest version of yourself. All of that, everything else is a byproduct of that. For everything else falls into place. And I feel like it makes me a better, it makes me a better everything. He was having this conversation yesterday about a pool. And I'm like, yo, I don't care about anything professionally. Like, I don't have any professional goals. 
<laughs> like, I know that sounds wild. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I got, you know, of course, I got, you know, I probably, you know, probably like, oh, you want to produce this show. I'm yeah, gonna, you have a lot in the pipeline. Yeah, if I do a late night show, cool. But it's like, I'm not pressed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are just ideas I want to get out. And everything that I'm doing really does serve a, a higher purpose. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a lesson in everything. Like, you know, I'm not doing any project that is not going to make somebody think about what's going on in their actual life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like art is the best way to teach people. Even when we talk about, you know, uh, infidelity and, you know, how to treat women, like, what caused us to, to, to do these things in the first place? Most of the time it was art. You know what I'm saying? And art is a reflection of life. So all these dudes were doing in their music was reflecting what guys were doing in real life. So now the narrative has changed because brothers are embracing like being with one woman and you know being married and raising their families and you know being vulnerable and doing the work, you know, dealing with their mental health, wanting to every all of that. So the art is the best way to reflect. The thing that I do, TV, you know, books, it has to serve a bigger purpose and it has to, you know, make people want to be the best version of themselves. I love it. We got to end this interview because it's our last night in Mexico and (laughs) we're going to go. We are going to go to the fire pit and make s'mores. (laughs) I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you for uh, being on the show. And yeah, you're the shit. (laughs) Big thank you for listening to this episode of the Dropping Gems podcast. This show is executive produced by Adrian Scott and me. Debbie Brown. Our theme music was created by producer Day One and the poem that you heard at the beginning of the show. Well, that was created especially for us by award-winning poet Namdi Okafor. If you have a quick moment right now, please hit subscribe on the show. And if you like what you heard, take it a step further and give us a five-star rating. Until next time, you connect with me on IG at Debbie Brown or my website, DebbieBrown.com. Be blessed. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula, berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day smart metabolic burn by brain md can kickstart your metabolism fight stubborn body fat especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey right now save over 30 percent on smart metabolic burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land you know what they say your chance to win starts with a spin so go to luckylandslots.com to play over 100 social casino style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. 
We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.